0: to Caring as Communities, a monthly podcast dedicated to addressing social determinants of health for some of our nation's most vulnerable patients. Join us each month as we meet with healthcare leaders to discuss what care teams, communities, and government agencies are doing to better support individuals with unique care needs. Welcome to this month's edition of Caring as Communities. I'm Dr. Enrique Nguidenos, and this is going to be part one of a two-part series Uh, speaking about vulnerable populations, this being May of 2022, the month in which we celebrate Mother's Day, Caring as Communities wants to highlight the issue of maternal health vulnerabilities. And to help guide us through this dialogue, we're blessed to have with us today Kara James, nurse practitioner with uh, Planned Parenthood of Los Angeles. Welcome, Kara.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate the work you're doing on a day-to-day, but being with us and, and discussing, highlighting some of the issues here. Uh, before we jump into questions, though, I am wondering, could you provide us with a little bit of your background, kind of what led you to do this amazing work you're doing today?
1: So let me let you know who I am. I am a phenomenal woman and leader, a powerful mother, a passionate teacher, a resilient counselor, hood chick, mentor and Planned Parenthood nurse practitioner. I hope to create a monumental impact on the upheaval of systems that are intricately designed to suppress black bodies.
0: I love it, thank you. And and by the way, those of us that can't see the, the, the visual, I love your earrings you got, here. My goodness, I, they are beautiful. You know, I was in preparing for, for this presentation, I did some look at some data, and it's just mind-boggling to me. The, the U.S., being as developed as we think we are, we have the highest rate of maternal mortality in the developed world, and and we are the only developed country where the rate of maternal mortality is rising. That's mind-boggling to me in the United States in 2022. In fact, I was looking through some, some information about the first national maternal health index that recently got created called the Maternal Vulnerability Index. And data from the MVI, as this term, is showing that Uh, While maternal vulnerability is, is highest in regions of the country like the South and the Midwest, in all communities in our country, Black and Native mothers are at higher risk. And in fact, two and a half times as likely to die from issues such as childbirth, even when controlling for age and education and income level. You know, this MVI career identified three factors that seem to play the biggest role in gaps in care between white and black maternal health, and they highlighted things like physical environment, physical health, and socioeconomic barriers. Now, I know you're being located in, in LA, you are probably struggling with all of these. I thought I'd just, you know, after looking at some of that data, just quiet up and see if you had any thoughts
1: You know, it it is mind boggling that moms are dying at the highest rate in the developed world in the richest country on the planet. And the rate is rising, like you said. Maternal death during pregnancy, childbirth, or postpartum is a tragedy that has a devastating impact on families. Now, the CDC, CDC estimates that 700 to 900 new and expected moms die in the U.S. each year, and an, an additional 500 Thousand women experience life threatening postpartum complications. Now, more than half of those deaths and near death experiences are from preventable causes. So, not because they have to die, but these deaths are more than more chances of it being a preventable cause. Now, as you said, as bad as the situation is for all women, it is especially bad for black mothers who are dying at actually three to four times the rate of their white counterpart. And in some places it's much higher than that. The disparities extend to not just the mama, but black babies who are two to three times more likely to die before their very first birthdays than babies of other races. And you wonder, so does it make a difference if, if she's educated, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make a difference if I'm educated. It doesn't make a difference how much money I make. The pregnancy related mortality rate for black women who graduated from college is five times higher than her, a white woman with a similar education. And actually, a black woman who graduated from college is more likely, she has a higher chance of dying than a white woman who dropped out of high school. So it, it doesn't matter who, where you come from, it makes no difference. And the underlying causes of Black women's poor maternal health outcomes are complex, multifaceted, and all interconnected.
0: Wow. I, I, I listened to that, Kara, that you just quoted, and it, it is mind-boggling to me. Because we are talking the U.S. 2022, in supposedly one of the most developed countries in the world, and yet... The, the issues that, that this MVI, the Maternal Index, called out as causing the difference was, was basic stuff like physical environment and physical health and socioeconomic barriers, as you mentioned, irrespective of what someone's education level was.
1: So, as a as a black woman, you have you, you're you're treated a certain way, or as a black person, you might be treated a certain way, and then you wonder: it's like, is it because I'm black? Is this a is it a racism issue? And it is not our imagination. There's more than enough evidence to affirm that racism in all of its myriad forms has significant detrimental impacts on physical and mental implications for the health of black Americans. In fact, racism may be the most important phenomenon underlying black health disparities exerting its ominous effects through institutionalized systematic stigma and exclusion. For centuries, hundreds of years, social and structural factors such as unequal access to quality health care educational and employment opportunities household income inequalities food insecurities and the lack of safe and affordable housing has contributed significantly to poor quality of life and health care outcomes black folks are more likely to die at early ages from all causes simply because of our race or ethnicity, not because of lack of access to health care. Even when insurance status, income, age, and severity of conditions are comparable, Black folks receive lower quality health care. So it doesn't matter if if it's an equal standing, you still receive lower quality care.
0: You know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. When I was looking at some of the data on this index I quoted, it had called out some of the southern states, where one in every five women of reproductive age was at high risk of death from issues such as postpartum hemorrhage and preeclampsia and preterm birth it's stuff, as a nurse practitioner, uh, you are struggling with, I'm sure, every day. Um, is that they called out the south and midwest, but I imagine with your practice in the heart of LA. This is not something that's just uh, kept to certain regions of the country. Are you seeing the same issues in, in, in L.A.?
1: I, I'm glad you asked me that question. So I want to share a patient experience with me, and I want you to give me your feedback. What would you tell this patient? And it's, it's something that happens all the time, you know, our experiences. So I had a 22-year-old Black female patient. She was six months pregnant. This was her second pregnancy in the last 12 months. So she got pregnant when her baby was one month old. And so it's her baby at home was seven months old and she was six months pregnant. This was her first appointment for this pregnancy. So this is her first time going to the doctor. She's six months pregnant, 22 years old with a baby at home. So I'm, I'm I ask you, Dr. Enrique, what advice would you give this young sister?
0: Man, well, I would first want to hear what is she feeling? What is her experience? I'm assuming she knew she was pregnant at that point. Uh, I do see as an ED doc, I see folks of all races and ethnicities coming in that will not even know sometimes that they are pregnant. But the first thing I'd want to find out is what what is her experience so far. Is she struggling with being having access to to healthcare? Is she perhaps comfortable feeling like she hasn't needed it so far, and or is receiving care in a non traditional fashion? So my first thought, Kara, would be tell me about what your experience as a patient is so far.
1: You are awesome. Many would wonder if she had enough information regarding birth control or judge her decision to wait so long. So it's never, it's not a wrong answer, but unfortunately, this young sister felt so disrespected and unheard by the white male obstetrician that she had with her previous delivery, she avoided prenatal care. She didn't know that she had options and she was willing to risk her life and her baby's life. The crazy part, she was not even there for prenatal care. She was there because she needed the pregnancy test to receive housing. In 2017, black women are 2.3 times more likely than non-Hispanic white mothers to receive late or no prenatal care. They often have a similar, similar complaint as a young sister that I saw in the clinic. We must remember, like you said, to look at the big picture. This was a perfect example that highlights the importance of accessing the whole patient, including past experiences and social determinants. Teaching providers to really listen to Black women, that by itself can save somebody's, somebody's life. She didn't know she can change her doctor. She thought she had to go back and experience the same experience that she had before. And she was adamant about, no, I don't want to see a doctor. And so, you know, just that, this the lack of communication there is humongous.
0: I'm so glad you you brought up that that case, Kara, because, you know, I, we have dialogued, obviously, before we, we're doing the podcast here. And as you know, I've uh, and our, our team at CBCS, our, our community health workers, we've been uh, working with individuals struggling with various issues around homelessness and substance abuse and mental health for a good decade and a half now. And what I find probably most disheartening and yet most encouraging there's opportunity is that in the vast majority of cases, me me being myself, the healthcare provider, the healthcare system, we've created the system because it works best for us, not that it works best for our patients. And, And something as simple as just listening to, to what an experience is, I think can open up so many opportunities for us to provide healthcare in a different fashion, to hear what the experience and, and, and risk and beauties of our clients are. Uh, and, and I think it's, it seems like what we call low hanging fruit, but it, it's so basic. And yet I feel that as a healthcare system, we don't do that. And as you highlighted here, Something as simple as just, you know, explaining to someone how they could access care in a different way is going to potentially dramatically change her risk and her vulnerability exposure. Is that a fair way to to paint that picture?
1: I, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, it's it's the simple things. So, you, you you know, you and I'm sure we'll get to this, but the policy and procedures are in place. You know, so their, their policies, they've done all this research. So the policies and procedures are in place to stop maternal morbidity and mortality. But it doesn't make any difference if the provider is not compassionate enough to implement the, the, the policy that needs to be in place while this woman is dying. If he can't hear her and what she's going through, her struggle, her pain, or whatever it is, like, oh, well, no, you'll be okay. And so if he doesn't implement the pro- the, the policy that would save her life, she's still gonna die. You know, you had mentioned about the southern states. Some research that came out recently, and it talks about like Louisiana had the highest maternal morbidity and mortality, right? And black women were like over fifty percent there were preventable causes. White women, it was only nine percent preventable. So it's like, because well, so the hell you let her die? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. You to, she's black, and her chances of dying from preventable causes is. more, you know, so her her chances of dying is so much higher just because she, you know, you don't listen to her, you don't, her concerns or her, whatever her issue is, you can't hear her. And so it's such a, so much of a difference in a percentage for a white woman. It's only less, it was less than 10% that hers were preventable. So you're listening to her and her concerns, but this other sister, you can't hear her. And that's really scary.
0: Well, I, I love the, the terminology you're using. I just found so beautiful. After 25 years of clinical experience as an emergency physician, sometimes people ask me, what's the biggest gap? And it's here, in my opinion, hearing and listening. Because I think sometimes there's a dialogue going on and we're not actually, we being providers aren't necessarily hearing the dialogue or listening to the dialogue we may have a preconceived approach a preconceived thought and and i think in many situations the answers are there if we can just open our mind and and listen and hear and communication i just think is so so important you 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 know i'm i'm curious As we talk about communications, where is the gap? How can we do better? Is it it having different people at the table? Is it teaching us as providers to listen better?
1: It. I think it's a few places. So I I had I spoke with a doula recently, and so this this sister was sharing her experience, and so she was telling me that she uses code words for her patients, and I felt like that was so devastating that she has to, her patient is not comfortable enough in this environment that should be amazing and empowering. She's having, she's bringing life into this world and she has to use a cold word like ice cream. And instead, you know, that's ice cream was meaning, oh, it was a good experience or she had a different cold word if it was a bad experience. But the fact that they need to use cold words in this environment is devastating to me.
0: Yeah, exactly, for such a beautiful experience as bringing life into the world. You know, I love the concept of the doula, and I wonder does the use of doulas in maternal health do you think help bridge some of that gap in communication?
1: You know, black midwives and doulas for centuries, for hundreds of years have played a critical role in improving the care and outcomes for black families. We bring our mama, our auntie, our cousin into the room with us. Now, if we can empower them, with the information and knowledge, they would definitely be an opportunity as a stop uh, to stop some of the, the the gaps in maternal morbidity and mortality. Doula's, as you know, are trained professionals who provide non-medical, culturally appropriate, emotional, physical, and informational support to women throughout their pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. The rich tradition stems from practices passed down from healer to healer before and even during slavery. Fortunately, Black women are reclaiming their role as experts in maternity care and are working to make sure that women of color have healthy, positive experiences. Now, studies suggest that increased access to doula care, especially in under-resourced communities, can improve a range of health outcomes for mothers and the babies. Lower healthcare costs, decrease maternal anxiety and depression, help improve communication between low income, racially diverse pregnant women and their healthcare providers. But they allowing that conversation to take place just by the empowerment or them being comfortable with someone there with them as an advocate. Labor support also increases breastfeeding initiation and retention rates, shorter labor, more spontaneous spontaneous vaginal births, fewer unnecessary cesarean deliveries. That's a huge problem. Black women have more, not because of their traumatic, you know, their the babies in, um, in in dire need, um, they have more unnecessary cesarean deliveries fewer preterm births, also fewer epidurals and higher maternal confidence and satisfaction. I believe doulas can be an essential part of the equation to reduce maternal and infant morbidity and mortality. Just having someone in there empowered with the knowledge, you know, as an advocate for, you know, whatever her birth plan is, ensuring that she has the things that she needs and that she requires. I'm an educated sister myself. I didn't, I want to have, I wanted to have my daughters naturally, the, the doctor insisted I have oxytocin. So oh, oxytocin puts you in hell and pain. If I would have known better, I would have never, my baby wasn't in any type of dire need. We weren't in, you know, we, we were safe. I w- It was a rush, you know, it's more of a rush thing. So it was just, if if I would have known better, I, if I would have had a doula, if I would have had someone there who would have said, oh, no, you don't have to do that. That would have been empowering for me. My experience would have been honored not just ignore because she was in a hurry or she wanted, you know, she did whatever she wanted to do. My experience would have been honored. So it's so very important because as we said before, it doesn't make a difference which level, what education, what financial level, who she is. If we can provide the advocates with the sisters who are having babies from pre- before they had delivered all the way through postpartum, just as an advocate, I think that would be so powerful in decreasing mater- maternal morbidity and mortality and infant maternal morbidity and mortality.
0: You know, I can't imagine. I, I, th- this will be, I, I don't mean to demean this comparison, but I had a little five millimeter kidney stone about a two years ago. I went to the ER. Here I'm an individual with 25 years of experience. I knew what was happening. A little tiny kid. I was literally lying on the floor of the triage desk crying. I don't care who was going to be telling me what. Myself with the medical education, I couldn't hear what was going on. I just... Was focused on that pain. I can't imagine trying to be in childbirth, irrespective of of your level of education, and trying to make a conscious decision about stuff like oxytocin or cesareans to have someone there. You and I talked earlier about how sometimes I'll have to translate and the, the look on an individual's face when I go in there and start speaking their language and the calmness that comes over. And it's just a better completely different interaction, I would have to imagine even putting all the knowledge that the doula brings, just having someone that can speak the language and be an advocate in that environment and that situation has got to be so huge.
1: It's tra- I mean, it's, it's, it's translating, as you said, the information. And so it's being, you know, someone... Who, it. it It seems so crazy when you think it's, you know, once I as a provider, when patients come in and say, oh, you know, you're black. I, okay, let me tell you about my experience. And it's like, you know, it's, it's 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 an honor, but then at the same time, it's like you don't see someone who look like you. So other people don't necessarily understand your experience. They don't understand what you go through. They don't understand the trials and the tribulation. You know, a doctor might say, hey, all you gotta do is go run in your community. Hell, if your community is dangerous, you can't just go run in your community. You know, or, or you just change a job. No, I can't just change a job. You know, and so to a lot of the women who, we see, you know, uh, you, we have all these fancy statistics. Most women don't have a clue that their life is in danger because of the provider that they're seeing. They might not know that they're too busy trying to eat. They're too busy worried about where their next meal is going to come from. You know, is that there? Do they have housing? Is their neighborhood safe? Was there a shooting down the street? You're worried about the the, the social determinant aspects. You may not realize that your life is even in danger. So you may trust and not just that lack of knowledge, and you may not have, should have trusted. You may have, should have looked around. So I think if we have the opportunity to be empowered, utilizing doulas, um, the services that doulas provide, I think that would make a huge difference um, with maternal morbidity and mortality, definitely.
0: And you know, I, I'm just wondering, uh, Karen, I, not to put you on the spot, cause I know we didn't talk about this as far as data goes, but just off the top of the head, no knowing- one, how valuable something like a advocate, a doula advocate would be. What would you guess uh the number of individuals that has access to a doula might be? Would it be 10%? Would it be 90%? Is
1: you know what's interesting? Black, we don't have access to doulas, although they might be available. You know, it's it's um Alexis McGill Johnson is our amazing CEO of Planned Parenthood Federation, and she had a doula. And so, someone had said to her, "Well, that's not you know, you had a white woman's type of birth, but that's sh- so, you know, it's kind of, but that shouldn't just be for if someone who can afford it or if someone who is not black, because black women need doulas. I don't know very many black women who've ever had a doula. I know a whole lot of black had bad birthing experiences. I know a lot of black women who almost died in childbirth because the doctor didn't listen to them." I know, you know, I hear traumatic experiences, but I don't hear very many, I don't know very many women who have utilized doula services, but now we are bringing that to the table. Like Planned Parenthood Los Angeles, that's something we're bringing to the table to help decrease maternal morbidity and mortality. We understand how important it it is for us to step inside the space. We can provide this access to our patients. And it's extremely important in order for us to, you know, this is part of our domain. This is our ter- territory. We see pregnant women all the time, every single day. And if we can provide uh, care for our patients, provide that access to doula care, that's something that's important.
0: You know, I and, and part of the whole mission of what we was hoping with this podcast series is to highlight uh, how we can do things differently. Uh, our podcast director, Amanda, she's behind the scenes, you know, that, that was the vision uh, of what we're doing with this. And um, as I hear you speaking about doulas, and I, I really commend the healthcare systems that are starting to bring patient patients into their boardrooms, you know, as members of decision making entities to provide that that dialogue, to open up the dialogue. Who? Who else, you got any th- uh, thoughts about who else should be, quote unquote, at the table, the patients, the doulas? So
1: who needs to be at the table in, this, in, in, in these dialogues? In order for us to develop and implement a strategic plan for authentic, diasporic, Black engagement, we must center Black experiences and voices. Sounds simple, right? <laughs> Black women and men need to lead the table, not just be invited to the table. To truly understand our experiences and the ch- and the changes needed, the stories have to be told by us. We must foster innovative partnerships with Black-centered reproductive justice and allied organizations to ensure that we center our conversations around the impact of systemic barriers due to social and institutional racism and discrimination. We need us at the table. You can't, you know, not just invite us to the table. We want to have a discussion. You want to put your input in. No, we need to be leading the table to share our experiences. That's the only way things are going to change.
0: Yes, thank you. I I wholeheartedly agree. I I think the onus is on those of us in medical leadership to to facilitate that, expose these issues, if we would, and and lead that. And um, I can't commend you enough for for persisting with that dialogue and and keeping it at the forefront. I do wonder, like, what happens if we do nothing? Um, and I, I'm just curious, what your your thoughts? Like, what's your biggest concern for the next couple of years, next five years, next twenty years? What what happens if we do don't do nothing?
1: <laughs> if we do nothing, it's going to continue to be the same. You know, if we don't if we don't speak up and speak out, nothing is going to change. If I, as a black woman, don't holler. And, you know, if I don't holler and continue to holler, if I don't speak up and speak out, nothing is going to change. Although the resources and policies to eliminate disparities exist in the U.S., there hasn't been an adequate long term commitment to successful strategies and to the funding necessary to achieve health equity. Black Af- Blacks have not been in the fiscal nor political position to assure the successful implementation of long-term efforts. The health of Black Americans has not been in priority for decision makers. So we haven't been in that position to make the change. It's important for lawmakers to step up and stand up. Black, all nationalities, you know, just to, to, to reduce the disparities in the Black community. If we continue to do nothing, it's going to continue to be the same. We'll continue to die unnecessarily we'll continue to have the die of of all causes at, at 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 you know of this that will just be our norm nothing is going if we don't do nothing nothing is going to change but i can tell you some things that i think will make things better
0: i would love that thank you
1: <laughs> so I believe that all black women, including trans and gender nonconforming or gender variant individuals have a right to a healthy prenatal labor and postnatal experience. To meaningfully improve Black maternal health outcomes, we need systemic change that begins with the healthcare system that improves access to care and makes the environment in which Black women live and work healthier, more equitable and responsive to their needs. As simple as it sounds, quality patient-centered reproductive health care delivered with dignity and respect is critical. Many Black women have a difficult time accessing quality reproductive health care and counseling that meets their needs. This disparity in access also translates to higher rates of unintended pregnancies. We need to expand coverage and access to services like doula, midwifery, care and birthing coaches to mothers throughout their pre and postnatal journey by integrating multidisciplinary comprehensive teams that address preconception health and chronic conditions, including diabetes, high blood pressure and obesity, identify at risk women and provide coaching to address their chronic conditions during pregnancy, addressing underlying social needs that have a significant impact on health and providing community support. We need to center black experiences and black voices. Black women are too often not listened to or taken seriously by the healthcare system. Efforts also must be made to support community-based programs like Planned Parenthood that serves as a safety net for so many. Community health clinics and organizations provide essential services to underserved communities that might not otherwise receive care. We must elevate access to comprehensive quality and equitable resources and create multiple levels of essential partnerships and collaborations with community-based organizations to improve outcomes and reduce mortality for women of color. We need to identify and address unconscious bias in healthcare standardized coordination of care and response to emergencies, assess and coordinate delivery hospitals for risk appropriate care and support review of the causes behind every single, every single maternal death. And I believe only by doing the combination of all these will black women and babies be able to achieve optimal health.
0: Wow. Th- this last few minutes care has been such a wonderful experience that I find the value of storytelling is so important. And obviously you're a master storyteller. I, I love, I, I feel the onus is on me when we are addressing some social determinant health issues to, to, to be the storyteller, whether it's in a legislature or a public environment to emphasize that, but not only are you telling us the story, you're giving us the prescription to fix it. I mean, the, those last few minutes were amazing. And I can't thank you enough for that. We could be going on and on on this. I am loving this. Uh, before I ask my last question, which is where you might recommend some of our listeners go to to look for more uh, resources on issues, even if it's within the Planned Parenthood system or elsewhere. Uh, I did want to ask one more question. Are there any other issues you think it's worth touching on regarding maternal health uh, vulnerabilities before we wrap up our time together today?
1: So you have me two things. So let me go to the the first one and then I'll direct you some. So with renewed commitment and action, we can help facilitate the dismantling of systemic racism, this requires us to step outside of the framework that only looks at healthcare and consider the full scope of factors and policies that influence the Black American experience. It requires us to examine and dismantle oppressive and discriminatory policies, and it requires us to acknowledge Black people as fully human and deserving of fair and equal treatment and, and act on that belief. So not just believe it, we have to act on that belief. Now, where can we go? Planned Parenthood has some amazing information. I love Planned Parenthood Los Angeles and Planned Parenthood all across the nation.
0: I love Planned Parenthood too. I think you all do wonderful work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Planned Parenthood is an amazing organization. Uh, I I could, there's so many places just to highlight how important Planned Parenthood and the work Planned Parenthood is doing across the nation. Um Black Mamas Matter Alliance is a good place. Black Women for Wellness, the Black Maternal Health Um Caucus, uh, Frontline Doulas We give some information about doula care. Um, so yeah, so it's you know, it's it's information that's out there. I don't want to go too deep on the research aspect, but it is good research information that's out there.
0: That is no, thank you very much. Those are some great resources. We just feel it's it's great for our listeners that some might want to dive a little deeper to have access to some of those resources. Kara, I, I am just uh, so thankful for the time we have had together. I, I thank you for your day-to-day work clinically, but also for your passion and your advocacy on such an important issue. I look forward, if we have an opportunity, to bring you back to, to do this again. But thanks again for the work you do and, and for spending time highlighting this important Issue. And for all our listeners, hasta el mes que viene, until next month. Thank you for listening.